0: We want to welcome our viewing audience to the teaching ministry, the Word Ministry of Providence Worshiping Arts Center, which we lovingly call Pwac at 3343 Highway 341 North in Jessup. We're here Wednesday nights at 7, and we're here Friday nights at 7, and then other times as the Lord draws us into this place. We want to welcome you and welcome our viewers. Uh, we're glad you tuned in, but we'd much rather see you here. So next Friday night at 7, drop out and let's see if, if, uh, if, um, if we can see your face. Because you can see mine, and uh, it needs to be a two-way street. But anyway, it's great to have y'all here. Um, wow, well, sort of everything's lopsided tonight. Have y'all noticed that? That uh, how this you four folks are holding this side building down, and, and you three hundred people over here are keeping this side down. Um, Harold Hand came in on Wednesday night, he and Wayne Flowers are responsible on Wednesday night for bringing the word, and uh, they're doing a real good job and if you're not here on Wednesdays you need to you need to get yourself together and start parking it out here on Wednesday at seven because these guys are bringing some good stuff in now Harold on Wednesday talked about the decrees of God, and then he talked about our decrees for ourselves, and then our decrees to others and I I sitting there listening to that and it really got my motor going, okay? Because when we talk about the decrees of God and the sovereignty of God and the power of God, when we talk about those things, it it really excites me because it's from the decrees of God that everything that we have and are, hope to be and hope to have is supported and sustained. See, God spoke all this out of his creative nature. He made everything from nothing except, from, uh, except us, and he made us from holy ground. And so not only did he do that by the word of his power, but he upholds and he sustains everything by the word of his power. It's the decree of God. Everything hangs on the decree of God. Now, by virtue of something else, you and I are participants in the decrees of God, and I have got a, a different direction altogether from what Harold took Wednesday, but I just want you to know it just it started churning up some stuff in me, and I have a I have a deep Baptist background, and one of the things that I received from my Baptist tradition is a strong position on the sovereignty and the power of God, and the way he is he he keeps everything in our life in complete and total symphony. Everything in the world is in complete and total symphony. Now, it may not appear that way sometime in your life, okay? You may think that your world is spinning out of control. You may think there's no consistency to your life. You may think that there's chaos at every hand. And in some cases and in some instances in life, there's a lot of that stuff flying around. But I want you to understand something. That even in the chaos of your life, the symphony of God's power and authority is still in effect. And he is not threatened by the chaos in your life. And he doesn't want you to be threatened by the chaos in your life either. Because he has a plan for you. And he has a program for you. And if we will only stop long enough to begin listening to him. And begin trying to embrace his purposes and his processes. It makes things go a lot better. And then, then things begin to make sense. Okay. Okay. Now I want to take my Bible tonight and open to 1 Corinthians two. First Corinthians two. If you got yours, open it up and look there too. When we get a little further along with this thing, uh, I'm going to have me a deal like what Bobby Connor had down at the Living Waters Conference. You know, I'm going to have me. I'm going to have me a uh, PowerPoint dude or a PowerPoint dudette. and uh, I'm going to call out a scripture and they're going to type it in. It's going to pop up on our screen that we have up here. Okay. But I don't have that tonight, so you'll just have to bear with me. But I want to talk tonight about God's plan for your life. Okay? 1 Corinthians (laughs) 2. Let me say this, too. This passage of Scripture that I'm going to read, uh, I used that in my very first attempt in a Baptist church to preach one Sunday night. Like I said, I used it in my very first attempt to try to preach. Scared totally to death. Afraid I was going to mess up. Let me share the the, the great controversy which uh, surrounded that simple event was the question was being asked as I expressed to the church that I was a member of that I, I had received a call to ministry and I wanted to preach and all that kind of stuff. The great controversy surrounding that evening was Should I be allowed to preach from behind the sacred desk, or should I have to speak from the floor? Okay, now the sacred desk, of course, was positioned up here. And I'm not, no disrespect, okay? But in most churches, the thing is way up here. And honest to goodness, sometimes you think you're going to get nosebleed, or grass is going to grow between you and the people. And it is a place, there's a place of respect that the word of God as it's preached, that it's presented. There's a place of respect it should have and there's an authority that goes with it, okay? But the great controversy that night was whether I was going to preach behind the pulpit or whether I was going to have to preach from the floor. Guess what? I preached from the pulpit without being licensed or anything. I was just a speaker. But you know, I'd rather be down here with you guys i will to be right where I am. And everybody has their own way about doing things. But I like being down here with y'all. I feel like I'm a lot closer. And I can just jump out there and hop up on one of the chairs if I feel like it. I can do that too. Wake you up. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll read a few verses and then we'll get started. I'm going to preach on God's plan for your life. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God you know what he's saying there he said when I came to Corinth to preach and teach to you I didn't come with anything fancy nothing fancy as I declared the testimony of God to you now kind of before I get started I'll just say this um you know, I guess there's a place for fancy. You know, there's a time when you want to pull out the fine china, you know, and the silverware and the crystal glasses, and you want to put out that nice lace, lace tablecloth and put your turkey and your dressing and your cream corn and your collard greens and cornbread and German chocolate cake. You know, you want to put that sweet tea. You want to put out your very finest, and that's okay. And And there's there's a place for that now I'm the kind of person um, I don't really care for a lot of things really really fancy Uh, I like things sort of plain and easy and honest not difficult to understand and in my life when especially in ministry when I've tried to become too fancy I've lost contact with people uh, I can remember in my seminary training where, you know, I was taught by some of the f- best in the world in terms of how to sermonize, how to come up with topics and titles and introductions and points and conclusions and applications and cute stories. You know, everything had to be just so. It ha- your, your points had to rhyme or start with the same letters, and it was a one-two-three process. And y'all, are just. You know what I learned? I learned that God would let me do things in a complicated fashion trying to make things simple. Let me tell you something. I don't care who you are. and I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you do. This thing here is surprisingly simple. And you really, honest to God, you really don't need me to break this thing down for you. Because God has given you sense and He's given you the ability to read and He's given you the Holy Spirit in you and you can take this thing and you can learn from it in a simple way and you can do a good job with it. What my thing is to do is I just take this and give it to you also so it comes in another direction. It comes from another point of view. It comes from another person and we need that. We need that interaction. We're social beings. And so what I do is I take this, I give it to you and you learn from it too. But but God is so simple. You know, and he has ordained preaching and he's ordained teaching. But it's supposed to be simple. And it's supposed to be understood and I shouldn't have to use big words and fancy theology. Okay? Just be simple. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to be very very simple with you. Not to insult your intelligence. But I don't want to lose the foundation and the uniqueness of the simplicity of what God has put in here and distort it so you don't understand what I say. So Paul came with nothing fancy. And so I'm coming tonight with nothing fancy, okay? For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay. If I had a point tonight, this would be my first point. I think that we as A culture, in our Christian culture, I think that in some cases when the Word has been taught and Paul as a minister uh, or Timothy or whoever else it may be or Peter, when they began to relate part of their personal experience to the churches or the people who were scattered abroad, I believe one of the things that's happened is, is whenever Paul starts talking about his ministry, we seem to think that the attributes that he's talking about in that passage of Scripture is just for preachers. This, is, this method or this type of conduct or this way of life or, or this point that we're going to make out of this passage of Scripture is just for preachers. But oh no, let me tell you something. Now, Paul is talking about his ministry as he came to Corinth and began to preach. He's talking about that, that he didn't come with fanciness, and he didn't come with persuasive words, and he didn't come with men's wisdom, but he came uh, in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. Okay? And we would tend to think, well, now, he's, he's talking about his ministry, so these are characteristics and attributes that need to be associated with pastoral ministry. But they have direct bearing on your life. I want to read this a little different way. And I'm going to say this, is the characteristics and the attributes that a pastor should live his life on and he should conduct himself, the same things apply to you, okay? And one of the problems that the church has made over the last many centuries is the fact there's been a dividing line. And this method of conduct and these attributes for preachers and this over here is for everybody else. I'm going to tell you now, that's wrong. It's the same standard for everybody, okay? And... This is why preachers began to build their own little kingdoms. And this is why people began to adopt lower standards for their life. Both of those things are wrong. Let me read this to you in a little different way, okay? Now, we got folks in here from McRae and Brunswick and Jessup and Hinesville and uh, Odom and all points in between and other places I don't even know about, Okay? And somebody watching this thing, the video may go wherever it goes. I don't know. But anyhow, I'm going to read this from the context not of Jessup or Brunswick, but from Georgia. You're a Georgian, okay? Is anybody here not from Georgia? Okay. Read this different. And I, brethren, when I came to Georgia, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom Declaring to Georgia, or you can insert Brunswick, or Hinesville, or Jessup, or Madre Springs, or Odom in here. When I came to you declaring the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything in Georgia except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was in Georgia in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my talking and my preaching and my life We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom and intellect, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, wherever the thing that worked for Paul in Corinth is the same thing that'll work for you. When you walk the streets of wherever it is you live tomorrow, or Sunday, or Monday. When you go back to work on Monday, the same thing that worked for Paul will work for you. If we keep in mind that we are, to, we are to proceed with our life in Christ, not with the wisdom of men or what our culture would dictate or what is politically correct, but if we would proceed our life with the wisdom of God, in implementing the wisdom of God in what we do, not being real fancy, not trying to persuade or control or manipulate or to be involved in witchcraft or rebellion, trying to get people to do what we want people to do. But if we use the wisdom of God well, I need to explain something here, I guess, don't I? When I use the words witchcraft, witchcraft, manipulation and control and rebellion, that's all the heart of witchcraft, okay? It doesn't mean you're a witch, but, but it means that you're using the same tactic that the, the, the enemy would use to get people to do what you want people to do. And I'm here to tell you, you can find it on job sites, you can find it in homes, you can find it in churches, you can find it in social organizations. Okay? If somebody tries to manipulate you and control you to get you to do what they want you to do, you need to get away from it because they're using the wisdom of men rather than the wisdom of God. So as you, as you begin to conduct yourself, the God's plan for your life is, is, is for your life to be conducted in simplicity and with the wisdom of God. And when that happens, watch this. And when you do it in weakness, and that is your your your, your own, um, man, that'd be a good way to say this. Not putting in gear the power of your flesh. Okay, that's why we, the absence of, when he uses weakness, it's the absence of his flesh. In fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were with. We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. See, this is where I, this is kind of where I want to go tonight. I want you to see that Paul's ministry was in demonstration of the spirit and with power, and that was cultivated by a not only a, an understanding of who God was and intimacy of Him, but that whole thing was cultivated out of His experience bound up in his conversion and his exposure with other Christians and if the whole thing was condensed and Paul, the choice and the wise choice that he made was to walk in demonstration of the Spirit and with power. Now how's that done? God's plan for your life is to walk in the Spirit. Those who walk in spirit deny the flesh. Okay, God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God wants us to walk in his spirit, which means not walking in our flesh. Now, when you begin to walk in the spirit, when you begin to just sort of disengage your flesh and your motives, and when you begin to just start beginning to say, well, now, God, show me. Speak to me. Help me, God, right now today. You begin to show me things. And you begin to to adopt a quiet posture. An unassuming posture with God. When you begin to place yourself at his feet like a student. And maybe that's something that we can understand. When we begin to be students of what God is doing, then we begin to hear what God is saying. Remember, the Spirit says that the Spirit speaketh expressly. And, and, and that God would send, the scripture declares that God would send the spirit who would guide us into all truth. If we begin to take a posture as a student before his or her teacher. And we begin to listen to God. And we begin to respond and react to what God is telling us to do. Then what happens is we begin to demonstrate the spirit in our life to those around us. So God's plan for your life is to walk in the Spirit and to demonstrate the Spirit in your life. He wants less of you to be seen by everybody around you and He wants more of Himself to be seen through you by everybody around you. You see, God does not want me to be seen by anybody. He wants the Spirit of the living God that lives in me to come forth. He wants people to be able to know that I am different. He wants people to know that you are different. That you are not who you are, but you are who he is. And we're going to get to some of that in just a little while. And I'm going to have to leave this, but walk in the Spirit and demonstrate his power. How does that happen? Well, it comes by spending time with him. Knowing what to ask for. Knowing how to ask for it. Knowing how to receive revelation, knowing how to interpret that revelation, and knowing how to apply that revelation. See, those are the three things. It's one thing to have revelation, it's another thing to understand it, and it's a third thing entirely to apply it. When you begin to do those three things, when you're living close to God, you're walking in the Spirit, and you're beginning to mature, okay? And that's what He wants you to do, He wants you to mature, As you begin to mature, then you begin to learn how to handle this revelation thing. And the end result of that is you begin to walk in the power of God because you're relying less on your own flesh. If you listen more to God than you listen to yourself, then you're headed down the road for that place. How is the power of God demonstrated? Well, it's by signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah, that's all part of it. But you know what? You know the way the power of God is demonstrated in my life? When he gets my attention and I completely and totally stop my agenda and I begin to do something he wants me to do or say something he wants me to say, totally kind of going out on a limb. Can I share an illustration with you? This is how, this is not, I'm trying to get things on a simple Can I share just a little personal illustration with you? Uh, I shared with the group Wednesday night. Here's how the power of God is demonstrated in your life. How many of you have ever had somebody, you come in contact with somebody and, and God put it on your heart to pray for them? They may not have even asked you to, but you, know, you, know, you just know you've got to pray for them. Okay? That's happened to lots of you. Well, it happened to me about a month ago. A guy came into the store in Fitzgerald and he was wanting to get a job and he was downtrodden and you could see the pain on his face. He, he lost his business and he lost his family because of it. And I'm telling you, the man's life was a mess. And so as he was sitting, he came in looking for a job. And so I said, well, can I pray for you? Yeah, and so I prayed for him, and I, I just prayed, and I blessed him, and I declared stuff over his life, certain things had happened. And when he got ready to leave, this is what I said. I said, now, whenever, when you get a job, because that's what he was, what he was wanting was a job. I said, when you get a job, I said, I want you to come back and tell me how this all works out. So I looked up one day this week. I think it was uh well, I think it was actually Wednesday. I looked up, and here he came through the door. And I was tied up with a customer, and I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. He said, go about what you do." doing. He said, I just want, I'm going to wait until you get through it. I want to talk to you. So anyhow, when it was over, I went and talked to him. And the long and short of it was this. He said, you know what? He said, I now have three job offers. And it's a matter of me now deciding which one I want to take. And here's what he said. And and this is not a pat-me-on-the-back story. This is an illustration so you can use to know how God will release his power in your life to affect the lives of people around you. He said, you know, when I left here that day, you prayed for me. He said, I went straight down to the Chamber of Commerce office, and and for some reason or another, they had a copy machine there he could use, and he was going to make some copies of his resume. And so um, the lady at the chamber was letting him Make copies on the machine. And he began telling her, he said, you know, he said, I just left the furniture store right down the road from here. And he said, and that man prayed for me. And he said, he said, I just went on to tell you, he said, it really meant a lot for you to pray for me. He said, I really needed that that day. And here's what the woman said. She said, yes, there are Christians there. Okay? There are Christians there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That is walking in the power of God. When you simply do what you are supposed to do, and then you stop where your place to stop is, and you let God do the rest, that is walking in the power of God. You see, you can't get it, you can't do God's business. But you can do business with God. And when you do business with God and you carry it to the place where you're supposed to stop and you freely turn it loose to him and let him do with it what he wants to, that's when he has shined the greatest. And if you'll just do that, it it involves... I, I firmly believe I affirmatively, there are places and times and situations where God will absolutely and totally release His sovereignty and His majesty and His power without regard to anything, without anybody having to ask Him to do anything because He has that divine privilege. But by and large, for the most part, probably, and I don't have any way of saying this for sure, but in the highest percentage, maybe... 98%, 99% of the time, he is going to use people who are not walking in their flesh, but walking in the Spirit. He is going to use those people to release his power. And most of the time, it's going to be done praying for somebody, getting on your knees and interceding and making declarations that's in accordance and lined up with his word like Harold talked about Wednesday. See, that's where he releases the power. And you can actually sense that and you can feel that as you begin to communicate and commune with him and spend time with him. You can begin to feel when he's about to release something. And boy, that feels good. Talk about tickling your innards. That'll tick your innards and everything else. But God's plan for your life is to walk in demonstration of the Spirit and in the power of of God without apology without reservation without hesitation without even thinking about it you have the you have the you have within you the capacity to change the world you live in at any given moment i've said this before you can you can absolutely in your prayer closet making intercession and supplication and prayers to God, you can redirect the resources of glory to where they need to be redirected to. You can set right things that are wrong. Because you have a relationship with the Lord. And you have the Spirit of God living in you. It's not difficult. All, really all you've got to do is let Him rise up in you. And make yourself take a Second chair. Let him rise up in you. And see what he can. And will do. Go a little further. Spiritual wisdom. Verse 6. However. We speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age. Nor of the rulers of this age. Who are coming to nothing. You know why? You don't need to implement. <laughs> carnal. Secular. Temporal. Fleshly wisdom whenever you're doing business with God or trying to do business in the kingdom. You know why? Because the Word says that is coming to naught. It is coming to an end. In other words, it does not work. You cannot overlay God's economy with the world's economy. If you try to transact business with God, you've got to use the right kind of currency. And the wisdom that the world and men goes about doing things is not going to work in the kingdom of god because as he said specifically if you try to use and implement that it's going to come to nothing how many of y'all have had a bait of nothing i have had a bait of nothing you know i'm 50 years old and 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 i i have to admit to you probably <laughs> probably the overwhelming majority of my time has been in nothing. But see, that's not God's will for me. That's not His heart for me. God's will for me is to be in something, not nothing. Because everything God does, the environment in which God operates, and when you walk in the Spirit and power, it's a fertile environment. It's not an environment of sterility. It's not sterile. It's not infertile. It's productive, and it has life in it. And when we begin to walk with the Lord in the plan for His life, uh, His plan for our life, when we begin to do that, things begin to transpire into something. Now, I'm beginning to get excited at this stage in life because I'm beginning to sense and taste and feel and, and experience God doing stuff. You know, um, I'll just be honest, I, I'm, I'm seeing things I've never seen before. I'm, I'm hearing things I've never heard. I'm loving communion with the Lord. I am, I am amazed at what he allows me to see. I'm amazed at how he allows me to dream. And I, I I'll say this, I'm going to just go back to one of the things Natasha said during worship. <laughs> the mind of god is where his creativity has its genesis okay and when he when as his mind engages the creative genesis it begins to work itself out and manifest itself through the work of his hands now we can call that whatever we want to call that natasha called it imagination she said don't be afraid use your imagination your imagination is the the fertile ground of creativity use that we've been conditioned in church environment to don't let our imaginations run away with us we've been conditioned to not be creative really and the church has been dumbed down I want you to know in this house we want you to let your imagination run wild you know what's going to happen two things are going to happen One thing that's not necessarily in this particular order, but you're going to begin to learn how to cut out what ain't God and what is God. Don't be afraid to make a mistake the way you use your mind in terms of the Christian expression of who you are. Just accept going into it, you're going to make mistakes, okay? That's just real life. But the second thing that's going to happen is is when you, when you begin to learn how to prune that and when you begin to learn how to begin to govern that and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, when you begin to learn to handle the gift that God's given you because if you've got the mind of Christ, you've got something very creative and special in you. As you begin to learn how to cultivate that, what's going to happen is <laughs> you're going to see your creativity, your, the expression of your creativity Line up with the character and nature of God himself. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to learn to prune that. But what's going to happen is it's going to begin to reflect the character and nature of God in the things that you do. So don't be afraid to be creative. Don't be, don't, you know, in, in terms of dance and in terms of art and in terms of ministry, in terms of how you express yourself. You let, start, your, start those wheels turning. Okay, Let those wheels turn. Don't be afraid to let them turn. Because you've been dumbed down. One of the last things part of the, uh, say, the uh, traditional church machine wants you to do is, is to use your thinker. I want you to use your thinker. Because if you start thinking and you start imagining and you start dreaming... And you begin turning yourself over to God. And you begin begin getting involved in that great great crucible of of allowing God to cultivate and mold you and make you. When you start doing that, it becomes a threat to churchdom. Now, church is good, okay? Jesus died for us. And he has ordained we be in assemblies and fellowships and and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And he has a body and we're a bride and we're a building. So he's ordained for us to be together. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But what I'm saying is we have come through so many centuries where the doctrines of the Lord and understanding who he is and how he has designed us to be has been put through such a filter. It is hard to distinguish what is the traditions of men. And what really is the tradition of God? Okay? It's hard to distinguish it. And so don't be afraid to use your head. Make sure everything is ruled by the spirit man. But have the mind of Christ, okay? So just get off that soapbox. But anyway. Anyway. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And let me just tell you how this is one of these words is written um, in the original language. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified The Lord of glory. You see, the wisdom of God, when it talks about the mystery, the mystery of the age, and the mystery that's mentioned in the book of Philippians, the mystery of Christ, it really is is Christ in you. That mystery is how Jesus, the Lord of glory, can live in you. That's, That's the Christian mystery. How can that happen? And so we express to the world that mystery. And God has kept it hidden or he kept it secret from before the foundation of the earth until the set time to release that mystery. And he is using you as a vessel to release the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory to to, to the rest of the world. And that's what he's talking about here. Using the wisdom of God to release that mystery to a lost and dying world. And the mystery is Christ in you, hope of glory. And see, God ordained that before the world ever started. Think about that. Think about who you are. One of the, we're, okay, um, okay, all the little kids are out. I can say this. Do you know how special you are? Let me tell you how special you are. When your mom and dad knew each other intimately. Now listen to me. I, I thought about this whenever I was a little feller, okay? Okay. When your mom and dad knew each other intimately and you were conceived, I, I can't even conceive of the other possibilities that were present in that environment. Mom had an egg. Dad had lots and lots of cells looking for a home. And this one little cell Out of millions and billions of cells, this one little cell found this one egg that your mom had. And they joined together. And as soon as they joined together, all of a sudden, this ironclad shell developed in that environment. So none of these other little cells could get in here and mess things up. Okay, now now think about this. In that environment and in that moment, out of all the possibilities, because, see, each one of those little cells of your dad's would have been a person different than who you are today. But out of all those cells, this one itty-bitty, teeny-tiny little cell found the egg, and you are the result of that. Could have been any number of millions or billions others, but it's you. And did you know God knew that from before the foundation of the earth? You see, that's how special you are. That's how rare an individual you are, and you carry that forward. Out of all the things that could have happened to you in your life, out of the crucible. Of developing you. All the things you've been through. God hadn't been threatened by the chaos surrounding your life. And the events of it. Out of all those things. You've now come to this point in time. And one day along the way. Jesus introduced himself to you. And you accepted him. You received him. You were born again. You exercised your faith. And all of a sudden, everything that God is became resident in who you are. That is a mystery. And I remember as a little fellow sitting in the Baptist church trying to figure all that out. And one day, about nine years old, I just came to the place where I didn't try to figure it out anymore. (laughs) Somewhere during the song, I'll Fly Away, Jesus connected with me. And the mystery of God and the revelation of God and the demonstration of the power of his spirit all of a sudden became a reality in me and I suddenly I didn't have to figure it out anymore same thing happened to you somewhere along the way and God's plans for your life involves demonstrating the life of God in you which is walking in the spirit God's plan for you involves the release of his power in your life and the lives of those around you. And it's a simple thing, y'all. It ain't complicated. Our problem is is we question him too many times. When it comes right down to the place where God wants to demonstrate his power in my life sometimes, you know what I do? I back up and bail out. You do the same thing. You've done the same thing, too. We don't have to do that anymore. Be, Be who God created you to be. See back in the environment where you came to be who you are, God had everything under control. It was a simple transaction. It's still simple today. But he wants you to demonstrate his spirit. He wants you to demonstrate his power. He wants you to use his wisdom and not your wisdom. Okay? And he wants you to understand that this mystery of God that lives in you is just exactly what the world needs see that's his plan for your life and I've got tons and tons and tons of other scriptures but I think I'm, I think I'm done now I'm not going to tell you what else I was going to preach on because that will spoil it for some other time but I want to encourage you to be Who God created you to be. And do not apologize for it. Do not whine about it. Do not fuss about it. Do not complain about it. (laughs) I wish I had brought in the Rick Pino CD. Because what I would do, I'd have Terry put it in right now. He loves me like I am, he loves me like I am, he loves me like I am, he loves me like I am. He loves you like you are, he loves you like you are, he loves you like you are, he loves you like you are. are. And Rick Pino goes on forever with it. Have any of y'all ever heard that? Raise your hand. Okay, two or three or four. (laughs) You are who you are. Because God said so. And what I'm doing tonight with with everything that I am, I want to draw up out of you a fresh realization that he did change the world with 12 men. He could have done it by himself, but he used 12 men. And then they went to 120. And then they went to 3,000. And then they went to 8,000. And all of a sudden, they exploded exponentially and they covered the face of the known world in less than 100 years without the internet, without TV, without radio, without cell phones or beepers or Palm Pilots or Blackberries. And if he could do that then... What can he do now? My whole purpose tonight, what God has put in my heart, is to to cause you to look at who you are differently and to look at who you are the way he looks at who you are and to realize he's given you all the tools that you need in proper order to accomplish everything he has set in your heart to do. You may say, I don't know what it is he wants me to do yet. I tell you what, take it a day at a time. You do what he wants you to do today and the rest of it will kind of fall into place. Okay? You don't have to be in a big hurry. He'll get you there. So I've got to find somehow how to land this, okay? So what let's do, I, I'm going to get you all to stretch your legs. What let's do is this. Well, how, are we, how are we doing on time there, buddy? Thirty more minutes? Thirteen more minutes. Okay. We're just going to have a short TV program this week. How about that? What I want you to do, I just want you to stand up. If you just stand up, let's just kind of stretch our legs. You're going to get out early because usually we preach for about an hour and a half. Okay, I'm going to do something. I ask you to close your eyes. If you want to lift your hands, that'll be fine, but I'm going to read something over you. Okay. And I want you to connect with what I'm saying. And I want you to understand that as you have your eyes closed, I want you to understand that this is for you. Okay? This is for you. Think about what I say. But as it is written, my eye has not seen, and my ear has not heard, and it has not even been revealed in my heart the things which God has prepared for me because I love Him. But God has revealed all this stuff to me through His Spirit. For His Spirit searches all things in me, yes, even the deep things of God. For I do not know the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in me even so i cannot know the things of god except by the spirit of god reveal them to me now i have not received now i have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is from god that I might know the things which have been freely given to me by God. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I stand in awe of what you've given me and what you've given these people. Lord. Teach us how to utilize and implement everything that you've given us and you've revealed to us by your Spirit. Teach us, Lord, how to, first of all, love each other better. But teach us, Lord, how to have compassion and long suffering and how to give mercy. Teach us, Lord, how to live in peace, peace with ourselves and peace with each other and peace with you. Teach us, Lord, to understand revelation through your spirit. And teach us, Lord, how to interpret that and to apply that. Teach us, God, how to sense when you're wanting to do something special and extraordinary. And teach us, Lord, how to yield to that and be an implement. Father, I ask you to release a measure of freedom on this people tonight. That they would be relaxed and receptive to what you do in their life and in their home, in their career, in their church, and in the earth Lord we release tonight these people to walk in a fuller measure of who they are in you I pray dear God that they would begin to walk in such compassion and love and power that the demons of hell would would jump and scream and run when they see them coming. I ask you, dear God, the hands that they the things they lay their hands to in the Spirit would all be successful. I pray, dear God, the eyes of their understanding be opened and they be able to extract the wisdom that you have laid up in your own self for them so they would know not only how to live but how to minister and how to release who you are in the elements of their everyday life let i pray dear god that they would that every moment would be special to them and to me and that we would no longer live in the mundane and the ordinary Or the abstract. But that our life in the spirit would be exciting. And fresh. And full of vitality every day. Full of life. And movement. And creativity. And that we would not bend or yield. To the traditions of men that really mask who you are. And what you would have us do. We ask for truth, God, in all things and in every endeavor. We pray, dear God, as we, as we live our life in you and in the spirit realm, that you would train us and teach us. If there are places, dear God, we go that would be excessive and wrong, we ask you, Lord, to gently pull us back. But God, as a a little child, would play and explore. Let us never lose that desire to explore. But keep us, Lord, in the hallway of truth. When we speak the word, when you give us a word, we pray for accuracy and impact. And we pray that it would change the lives of people for your glory. Lord, raise up an army of people, beginning with these people right now. raise up an army of people who's not ashamed of what they carry and who they represent. I break off timidity and shyness and false humility. Never let this group say, I cannot. But Christ can. Let them not say I cannot. But let them say Christ can and I can too. Lord, you have given us a new heart. And you've given us a measure of your spirit. That's what your word declares. Now God, right now, we ask you to transform this old mind. And this old mindset that we have. Renew this mind according to the Spirit of God and the measure of Christ. Renew these minds. In the name of Jesus. Amen.